Well, hello, and welcome back to the C'est La France podcast. My name is Sophie Nado, and I'm a full-time Francophile with a particular passion for Paris, including all of its many hidden gems, secret spots, and forgotten histories. These short History Bite episodes are all about discovering France as you've never heard of it before. In this episode, we'll be discussing the mysteries of Montmartre, i.e. the 18th arrondissement of the city. From forgotten vineyards to lost windmills and even secret cemeteries, I'll be taking you on a virtual tour of the city most visitors never get to experience. Montmartre is situated to the north of the city, to the right bank of the Seine. You should know that those parts of Paris to the north of the River Seine are classed as right bank, whereas those parts to the south of the Seine as you might have guessed, are classed as left bank. Ask any Parisian and they will have, sorry, I mean, they will definitely have a strong preference to the right or left bank. Personally, I prefer the right bank. That's probably because I literally live there. Anyway, before we get too far into this debate, which is probably a subject for another episode, let's head back to the area we're meant to be discussing. High up on a hill, Butte in French, overlooking the rest of the city, the 18th district of the French capital is most commonly referred to as Montmartre and has a long and rich history. Home to the likes of the open-air painters of Place du Théâtre, the iconic La Maison d'Ose, and the illustrious Sacré-Cœur Basilica, this is one area of the city you won't want to miss on any trip to France. First things first, you may be curious as to the origins of the name Montmartre. After all, it's not something you hear every day. Well, in actual fact, no one quite knows as to how the name Montmartre came about, though there are two leading theories. One is that the name of the hill and the highest natural point in Paris derives from Mons Martis, which means Mount of Mars in Latin, and that it was later changed to Montmartre as a Gallicized form of the name. The second prevailing theory for the origins of the name Montmartre is that the word came from Mount of the Martyr after Saint-Denis, the first bishop of Paris. After all, it was on the hill of Montmartre in 250 common era that Saint-Denis was decapitated. The story goes that Saint-Denis was sentenced to be crucified on a hill close to what was then close to the city limits of Paris. His alleged crime? He had preached Christianity to the inhabitants of Lutetia, the name under which Paris was referred to during the Roman era. His sentencer? A Roman prefect by the name of, and I'm hoping I'm saying this correctly, Fuscenius Sicinius. The story continues that Saint-Denis was decapitated before he could be crucified. After being decapitated, it said that the saint picked up his head and walked several miles in order to preach a sermon on repentance. Today, there are several monuments in Paris dedicated to that first bishop, including one in Montmartre itself. Rather peculiarly, the district was only officially incorporated into the city in 1860 and, prior to this, had a history of independence which was distinctly different from the rest of Paris. 
In times gone by, the areas surrounding the French capital would have been filled with working farms, vineyards and windmills to ground the harvests. Of course, over the centuries, these were largely cleared and demolished to make way for an ever-growing population and expanding city. Today, only a handful of windmills of Paris remain, all of which can be found in Montmartre. Originally, up to 300 of them in various shapes and sizes existed during the early 20th century. A number of these wooden and stone windmills could be seen from miles around and the Buttes, i.e. Montmartre, became characterised by these quirky landmarks, immortalised by many an Impressionist painter. Van Gogh, Utrecht, Renoir, whose house can now be visited in the form of Musée de Montmartre, and Toulouse-Lautrec, all painted the lost Paris windmills at one point or another. And, in terms of seeing the Montmartre windmills today, well, wander away from the Sacré-Cœur. Pass by Square Marcel Blustein Blanchet, which was once the site of a windmill named Moulin de Toulouse, and stroll on by Place du Théâtre, where artisans and painters still tout their wares to this day, albeit in a rather touristic fashion. Carry on walking, and you'll soon find yourself on the steep street that is Rue Lepique. This long and winding road is in of itself a hidden gem of Montmartre, and, among other things, was the birth of the Renault car. It's also worth noting that for those in search of some independent shopping opportunities, a stroll along Rue La Pique when in Montmartre is an absolute must. Once on this typically Parisian street, you'll soon discover two windmills which are commonly referred to as Moulin de la Galette. Singularly, they are Moulin Vadé and Moulin de Blutfin. While Le Moulin Vadé now features as the front piece of a rather fancy eatery, the Moulin de Blutfin is tucked away from the road and can only really be glimpsed in the winter months when leafy green trees don't shield it from the view of any casual passerby. The two windmills which form Moulin de la Galette were purchased by the Debray family in the early 19th century. At this time, the Debray family became famous for selling small galettes, a type of small brown bread that was sold together with a glass of milk to make a quick and filling snack. This gave rise to the windmill's current name. You may well remember that the nearby Chateau des Lys, now a club for libertines, was once used to sell milk by the glass to passers-by. In 1830, when Montmartre production shifted from milk to wine, the Moulin was transformed into a cabaret, a move which was immortalised by Renoir's painting Bal du Moulin de la Galette. Today, the painting is housed within the former train station turned museum, Musée d'Orsay. Windmills and libertine clubs aside, one hidden gem that's particularly charming is the vineyard of the 18th. Tucked away in the little side streets behind the Sacre Coeur Basilica, you'll find plenty of quirky architecture, trailing vines, and narrow cobbled streets. And if you look really hard and closely enough, and walk along the area for long enough, you'll stumble upon Le Clos Montmartre, a hidden vineyard and one of the last remaining vines in central Paris. Vines have been grown in Montmartre since at least 944 Common Era, 
when viticulture was first attested in the area. However, in the entirety of the Ile-de-France region, grapes have been grown much longer than that, i.e. since the Romans first introduced the drink to the area over two millennia ago. The vineyard you see today was created by the city of Paris in 1933 as a way of stopping real estate developers from purchasing the land. Prior to the creation of Clos-Montmartre, the 0.15 hectares of land had been used as both a children's playground and dumping ground, among other things. This new green space was welcome in a city that was quickly developing and the first harvest festival of Montmartre was held in the following year, in 1934. All this in spite of the fact that the newly planted vines were not yet producing grapes. Sadly, the Clos Montmartre is actually closed to the public. However, you can still wander around its exterior and admire the vines from outside the metal railings. Nearby, you'll find hidden gems like the Musée de Montmartre, Renoir Gardens and Place de Lida, what may well be the prettiest square and view of all of Paris. Since 1980, an annual Fête des Jardins has been held to celebrate the grape harvest. For a few short weeks, the vineyard of Montmartre is open to the public through guided tour only. All in all, up to a thousand bottles of Clos Montmartre are produced each year. They're auctioned off during the annual harvest festival and the profits made are put towards funding projects in the 18th arrondissement. Last but not least, I want to draw your attention to one hidden gem of Montmartre which can also only be visited on a very limited period each year. Hidden in the shadow of the awe-inspiring domes of the Sacre Coeur Basilica, there's a piece of Montmartre history which is so secretive that even many Parisians don't know of its existence. Cimetière du Calvaire is not only the smallest cemetery in Paris, but it's also the oldest, and it's only open for one day a year. Wander past the wrought iron gates of the Calvaire Cemetery on any given day of the year, apart from November the 1st, and it will be firmly shut to the public. Situated to the right-hand side of the 800-year-old church of Saint-Pierre-de-Montmartre, you'll know you're in the right place when you spy the heavy bronze doors depicting the resurrection sculpted by Italian Tommaso Gismondi, whose work is also to be found in the Vatican. Wait in the queue and be sure to bring an umbrella in case of rain, as always seems to happen on All Saints Day and you'll soon be ushered into the space and up some cracked steps. Perhaps what will surprise you most is the state of the cemetery. There's no paved pathway and many of the tombs are cracked and worn to the point where many are now illegible. For such a small space, around 600 meters squared, the graveyard is the final resting place of a surprising number of figures who were instrumental in the foundation of the USA, as well as, of course, history prior to the French Revolution. For example, the man who created Moulin de la Galette, which we spoke of previously, is now interred in the cemetery, his tomb easy to spot thanks to its crowning feature, a mini model of a moulin, i.e. windmill. The cemetery was founded as early as 1688 on the site of the Montmartre Abbey, once used to bury religious members of the church 
At its opening, the cemetery was the only cemetery available to residents of Montmartre. Even prior to this, the site is thought to have been used as a Merovingian burial ground during the 7th century. Unfortunately, both the abbey and its adjoining cemetery were badly damaged during the French Revolution. Many famous tombs were destroyed during this period, including that of Pigalle. During this period, no burials took place and interments only resumed in 1801. This second opening of the cemetery was not to last for very long and Cimetière du Calvaire was closed for once and for all in 1823 with the opening of the larger Cimetière Saint-Vincent quite nearby. As an aside, during my research, I saw many sites list 1831 as the date when the cemetery closed, but the official guide lists 1823. Even today, the cemetery remains a pretty elusive space. Though family members are allowed to visit their loved one's graves throughout the year, normally they choose to visit on the 1st of November, owing to the difficulty in accessing the keys, etc. Now, the only way to be interred in the Cimetière du Calvaire is if your ancestors are also buried there. I hope that you enjoyed this roundabout tour of Montmartre and its many mysteries. I am sure we will have more to discover soon. For even more France content, you can check out my website, solosophie.com and its associated social media pages. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.